0: Welcome back to Friends Like Us. Marina Franklin here, your host. This week on Friends. Oh, it's a good one. We have new friends. Christina Hutchinson. Christina is an internationally touring stand-up comedian, actress, writer. Christina and her comedy partner, Corinne Fisher, co-host the critically acclaimed Guys We Fucked, the anti-slut-shaming podcast, in addition to co-writing their book, Fucked. Being Sexually Explorative and Self-Confident in a World That's Screwed, published by Harper One. The duo has shared the TEDx stage and are currently in development to produce, write, and star in a sitcom with Lionsgate and Fox. Christina has been seen on Comedy Central's This Is Not Happening, Netflix's Master of None, True TV's Laugh Tracks, and she's been written up in Vogue, The New York Times, Mother Jones, and the Huffington Post, to name a few. So good to have you here for the first time. We're cracking you in. You're a virgin. Welcome, Kanis Circa, Canise. She's new to New York. She moved here in 2022. I met her at Suba, a girl's wedding. We all love Suba. Kanese is a comedian, producer, and actor. She's known for being one of the pioneers of the Indian comedy scene and has produced and performed in her Netflix special, Ladies Up and Comedy Premium League and on Amazon Prime, Something From Nothing and Improv All Stars. Ooh, it's a good one. And let me tell you, there's some good advice about sex in This podcast. We have a website where you can get your own guy even. But you gotta listen to the episode and find out where. I want to thank all of our listeners of Friends Like Us. Because of you, we make some pretty impressive lists. You can hear us on Google Podcasts Now, Stitcher Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Apple Podcasts. Review and rate us on Apple Podcasts, subscribe, make sure you turn on the auto download function for friends like us on Apple Podcasts. You can email us at like us podcast at Email, our instagram is friends like us podcast and twitter is friends like us 10 become more than a friend leave us a tip or donation just go to our patreon page go to patreon backslash friends like us special shout out to our patreon friends it's because of you we keep going and now for our golden friends you have the option to watch our recordings live backstage Shout out to TB, Stacy, Tamara. Thank you guys for showing up. Go to Patreon backslash friends like us and be golden. Merch is available. We have t-shirts, hoodies. We've got coffee mugs, face masks, and tank tops. They're all available. Just go to marinafranklin.com. Weekly on my YouTube channel, I go live with my assistant, Evelyn Frick, my wacky friend, Dave Jeskow. We give updates to the show. We shout out fans who leave reviews. And we have surprise guest friends from the podcast stop by. And sometimes we offer free stuff, like tickets to comedy shows. With friends like us, it'll help you feel not so alone because more content is on the way. Tell a friend you know to check us out. Stay safe. Wash those dirty little hands. Wear a mask still if you want to. Get vaccinated. Booster up. And Black Lives Matter. I'm here today with some new ladies. I'm Ooh. here with Christina Hutch and canice Circa. <laughs> <laughs> and they're both new to the show. And... Yeah, Christina is white, but we have our white for the month. It's Women's (laughs) Month. (laughs) I'm honored. (laughs) It's Women's Month. So welcome, ladies. Thank you so much for joining me today on Friends Like Us. I am so excited to have both of you because I think both of you represent like for feminists. I think you both you're young and you both like do it well. I'm going to put it that way. You do it really well. And I look at both of you and I've been I've been like starstruck by both of your energy. Like, Christina, I've seen you around. You just have such a um, and thank you for coming to my shows. Like, I know Stephen Calabria always like you got to go watch Marina. So and when you're in the audience, it, it actually makes me feel you're one of those comedians that when you're performing, you look over and you see them, you feel comfortable that they're there. And. Yeah, and you made me feel like, I, oh, okay, good. I, I'm doing well. Like, you have a great energy about you. It's just, I don't think I've ever told you this.
1: I really appreciate that, Marina. Thank you. But now's the time. <laughs> <laughs> I very much appreciate that. Yeah, I love watching you specifically perform because you, you never rush yourself in a way that reminds me to slow the fuck down.
0: Oh, yeah, I don't rush at all. If someone, and I've had audience members go, like, they want me to. <gasps> speed it up wrap it up Wrap it. they're like Never. Oh, they'll go get to this and i go no 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 this is no tap dance here <laughs> you come to me i don't go to you
1: yeah you, your cadence is one of my favorites on stage oh,
0: thank you <laughs> i just love what you're doing with the guys we fucked podcast it's like you're just helping so many young women out there. And I'm yeah. just impressed by how long you and Corinne have been doing this. And I remember when you had me on, I was like, I, I guess I should tell you I'm uncomfortable talking about sex. <laughs>
1: yeah. I love that, though.
0: And Canise, hey. who I've had with, um, I met you at Suba's wedding. Yes,
2: we, we we met when we were trying to choreograph the dance for her sangeet.
0: <laughs> Yes. And your energy also as well was just so warm and, and nice. And I was meeting you for the first time. Sometimes you meet comedians for the first time. You don't know what you're going to get. And you were just so warm. And I felt like I already knew you for a while. And you were so helpful with the dance. Like, I wanted to get that dance right. And you were just naturally funny. So I was excited to have you on. And then I saw you at New York Comedy Club. And you were hilarious. So... And I have been following you on Instagram and I love all of your posts and your social media. So you're both fantastic women. I'm just, like I Thank said, I'm you. so excited to have you. So I do want to, I'm, I'm going to sort of do like a slight interview with both of you real fast. You know, I'm, I'm not the, well, no, let me not insult myself early. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Say that for midway.
0: And now, um, Christina, the anti-slut shaming podcast, what made you both decide to do, because this, and I know you get that question a lot. This is one of those questions where I was like, I oh, don't should I ask her this? But then I'm like, I used to always say this way back, way back. I felt like guys always did themselves a disservice by talking about the women they slept with or the women that slept around because it's like you're preventing women from being sexually free. So What was it, what was the catalyst is my favorite operative word for Mm -hmm. you starting the podcast with Corinne.
1: So Corinne and I have been working together probably three years at that point when we thought, she thought of the idea first, she, uh, she got dumped by somebody that she kind of thought was like a really big love and she doesn't usually get dumped often. So this, this dumping made her spiral mentally emotionally and um as as it can do when you're really kind of glued into a person and you don't see it ending abruptly and so she said to me one day she's like we should just she's kind of out of a frustration she's like let's just interview every guy that we've slept with we'll do it we do it for a podcast we'll just call it guys we fucked and i was like "Ooh, i like that and then she kept bringing it up and bringing it up she's like i can't get this idea out of my head we have to do it i'm like yeah all right so let's meet and sit down and then i came up with the anti-slut shaming tagline, just because, you know, if you're a woman in the world, it's, it's so hypocritical that guys would want a woman to feel stifled sexually when, especially when they're a straight man who fucks women. Like it's, it's, it's insane. So, uh, so yeah. And and also the idea of like talking to guys you've slept with just, I never would have had these conversations with the guys. I probably would have gone to the grave without ever seeing them again, honestly, but there's a lot of stuff that we cleared up (laughs) that I didn't expect. Yeah. Like one guy, I swore he dumped me. And in my head, he was like the one that got away. And he came on the podcast and he's like, no, you, you dumped me. I'm like, why would I dump you? I wouldn't dump you. He's married with a kid now. But, and he was then, but uh, yeah, I was like, wow, i um, I was not in my body when we were together. <laughs> so it's been some interesting kind of research on us because we're always just looking to improve ourselves. And I'm just so fascinated by human behavior, just the way people act, especially sexually. Everyone's got their individual things they're weird about. And I love diving into that because all it takes really is to have an example of somebody who's comfortable and doesn't give a fuck for you to go, oh, yeah, I guess I don't have to care either. So it's been a really cool learning experience. Your generation, you're millennial.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, millennials are so they give me hope like I was so I felt like my generation what am I generation x y I forget what I am What? Uh, but uh, my <laughs> what year were you what year were you born in it's like saying my age yeah I know. 70, I like, 70, 70, in the 70s no I'm, told, <laughs> I'm in my 50s okay so uh I know I don't look at look at that I
1: know. <laughs> but <amazing>. I'm just <laughs> fucking so cool
0: Five minutes of the podcast is just looking at Marina to get everybody, everybody. (laughs) Yeah. But, you know, I just uh, it's like my generation really never talked about sex at all. And I. Yeah. And even my therapist one time said to me. What is that you're doing? Like, I because I would get uncomfortable talking about sex. And she was like, what's happening to you? Why? Why? What's what's going on with you? We should discuss this. And I was like, I want to discuss that. (laughs) But I do feel like your generation just explores every aspect of sexuality on so many levels that I'm so envious. Like, but then I'm also like, where do you find yourself right now with all the conversations you've had? Like where Mm. you've gone and where you are now?
1: There's so many topics uh, that I just annihilate. Like, I'm just so good at handling Um Especially with sex, and so in my in my own personal relationships, my own sexual relationships, I just feel very comfortable asking for what I want or giving direction or talking about things. Or if the other person is uncomfortable, easing into that conversation and kind of you know. But like a lot of friends, one of the things that we found out when we started doing the podcast, which I did not expect, we opened up our email inbox, and boy, we have had thousands, tens of thousands of emails from people who have been sexually assaulted. And I kind of was really naive to like, wait a second. Does everybody know how common this is? This is, this is crazy how co- I, what? And then there's people would email us saying, I told my partner that I was raped for the first time. And then he goes, so was I, I'm like, Jesus. Like we had a dad once come to our show, a guy in like his, his mid forties. And he came, he was standing in line to meet us and he was crying. And he was saying that he recommended the podcast to like 16 year old daughter And he said, when she started listening, she came to me and she said, I want to tell you that I've been sexually assaulted. And like, she never would have been comfortable saying that. I'm like, so now it's a topic I'm so comfortable, but I used, I um, did this volunteer course at Bellevue hospital where you're part of somebody's medical team. If they go into the ER for sexual assault or domestic violence, you did like this nine week training thing. And it's really like this, this topic in particular, I'm so comfortable talking about um, to the point where like. At least twice a week, a friend will call me and with some type of situation that they don't know how to handle. I'm like, I got you. Let's go. Like we're we're gonna figure this out. Um, and so it's really nice to have that lightness around a really heavy common thing. So
0: that's amazing. Yeah. Now you oh. can join in anytime, Knece. So yeah. when you hear this, because I was thinking about you, Knece, when I brought Christina on, like for Indian for your culture, right? Mm. Is it I imagine it's not as comfortable talking about sex, or but because you do like you seem yeah. like you break as a comedian. Like you're very open, and and super as well. Yeah, but is that new?
2: Um, I mean, so like for com- like females doing comedy in India is new. Um, and mm-hmm. I'm just I'm speaking from the comedian's point uh, point of view, but um, also with you know, with social media coming into India and sort of a bubble has formed where people are talking about all of these topics. Like I find India very forward that way uh, amongst a certain strata of people. They are talking about this. It's up on the internet, tweeting and posting and um, a lot of brands like do a lot of content around sex and, and open. And I mean, uh, the reason why I talk about it and the reason why I, because I do talk about it a lot is to normalize it. Um, even like you're, like even sexual the sexual assault you're talking about, it's just like to normalize it and, and normalize discussing it, normalize talking about it. Um, you said, yeah, it's a heavy topic. And the reason why it becomes lighter is that we can actually, we don't have, it's not a secret. It's not something we have to keep to ourselves and like feel guilt and shame around by ourselves. Like now we can talk about it and normalize it. And I think that's the biggest thing is how do we remove guilt and shame from sex? Because that's when we have guilt and shame around sex, that's when people can use it against us. That's when you can take it away from me. You can take my mm-hmm. dignity away and, my, and w- w- everything away from me because I have so much shame attached to it and guilt. And so if we can remove that, then you have nothing. You can't take anything from me. It, yes. Yeah. That's I how I feel that. about talking about sex. That I think it's, yeah. Well, yeah.
0: Very well said. Because I... I think we keep so many secrets as women. Like, it's amazing. I mean, we can also gossip, but, like, when it comes to sexuality and assault, like, even with Sarah, like, we shared, like, a moment backstage where she was telling me a story about, like, how a cab driver tried to pull her her over and she had mace and all. And I'm just like, it's amazing. Like, you just hear all these stories and you're like, it's just everywhere. Everywhere. so I think you just give, you know, Christina, again, I just think you've helped so many young girls like, or, you know, women out with just being comfortable with their bodies and being able to explore and, and being open sexually. And do you, are you, now, are you, are you dating now or are you? Yeah. I have I boyfriend. a boyfriend. Hey. No, you went ahead of, I'm always getting Stephen. Stephen Calabria always like sort of fills me in and then he, you know he loves to tell me what's going on with you.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know uh Colin Smith? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. I didn't
0: know cuz I knew you were, then I wasn't
1: sure if you were. Yeah, would. it was on and off and on and off and on. Yeah, it was one of those it's so funny as much advice as I give people. If somebody came to me and that's the situation I was in, I would not have advised them to stick around. Yet I did. But yeah, no, we're to, it's he's a lovely lovely he human. Is that's a such a joy. lovely like a great, like my last uh, partner I was with for seven years, just really sucked any joy out of a room. And uh, it's so nice to be in the presence of a man that's like poetic and emotional, but also just it, like happy, like cheery and just like, yeah, I, I dig Irish people. Their, they, their attitude about life and their, their outlook on life is very, it's like, there's a lot of self-deprecation, but it's a lot of humor. So it's, it's a joy to be around him.
0: I know. My best friend, Lois, is Irish, so she's from Tipperary. Nice. So she's always like, you know, she's, well, she's, she's, and you're right. They're very self-deprecating, which I enjoy a lot because I can, Mm -hmm. I can relate to that. She's, but she also has, every story is riddled with someone died, but she's does it in such a positive (laughs) way that I'm confused. (laughs) Just like, she goes, Marina, I'll meet you tonight. She goes, my friend, Laurie, her, her brother just hung himself. <laughs> but it's fine. You know, I just have to go over a conversation with her for an hour, and then I'll meet you at 6.30, and I'm like, oh, my oh, okay. God. Yeah. You pick up <laughs> <mother laughs> doesn't stop. I love your Irish accent. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> it's because I'm around her so much. Oh. But I, and, Kenise, I've yeah. heard you do – because Aust- you're from South Africa, right? Which I yes. didn't realize until I just looked up. I thought you – I didn't know where you were from exactly. I know, I know. neither do I anymore. <laughs> like I'm also genuinely, it's born, born up in South Africa. Then
2: I moved to India and started my comedy career here. And now I've moved here. And so I've just lived in two countries and really never felt like I fitted into either, to be honest. Um, really? Yeah. Yeah. But I feel like New York is the place where I get to celebrate both my South African and Indian heritage. Because in India, makes I had to- I had to like, yeah, I had to get them to accept me as Indian. In South Africa, I didn't really explore my Indian side there. I was trying to be more white during apartheid. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was the way forward. And uh, and then over mm-hmm. here, I just get to be integrated. So thank now, you, New in, York. <laughs> really. In South
0: Africa, they refer to you not as colored, do they?
2: No, so we're Indians. So there's, okay. I mean, Inside. during a part yeah.
0: that there were black and
2: non black and uh, white people. And then within the non, sorry, non white and white people. And then with the non whites, it was black people, Indians, and coloreds. Right. Three different races.
0: The coloreds is the biracial, I think. Correct. Right? They're like biracial over generations. Right. Right. It's a very interesting thing when I got there and they were like, I was like, is that
1: okay? You can't be saying that. Right. I was like, wait, that's okay to say. So the first day
2: I got to New York last year, I was doing this joke about doing a show in Cape Town in the colored area. And I said that on stage and everyone was like, like, "Ah." what the? And I was like, oh, no, wait, wait, wait. I think I have to explain what that means. It's a race that everyone, it's a term everyone uses. It's not a racial slur or, or anything of that sort. It is Um, so
0: interesting how when you travel internationally, you find out those words that are triggering for different reasons. And then you you realize it's just words, right? It's like, you know, Um, but I, I find I saw a video of you speaking with an Australian accent and you were you had it down. Like, did have you been did you live in Australia? No, I just watched a lot
2: of MasterChef Australia. It's really big in India for some reason. <laughs> and
1: <laughs>
2: Yeah, I was impressed. But I think it's also because I live in South Africa. Like the Commonwealth countries, it's easier to pick up the Commonwealth country accents, I think. Um Yeah, maybe because it's yeah, because of the English influence. Like actual England influence that it, it's easier to pick up yeah. Um I just also, I'm so sorry, this is a bit late in the conversation I should have brought up earlier, but I just want to like also just thank, I did like Christina's podcast and there was a whole thing that came out of it. I said something that some about somebody else and they weren't happy. And I just want to let you know, Christina, like it took my relationship with that person to a very new level. Oh. Um I didn't, I didn't tell you about it because it happened like it was just happening slowly, but.
0: Oh, um, I love that
2: yeah like you know you talk about the audience and the listeners it being such a cathartic experience for them. I just want to let you know, as a guest, it was also a very a cathartic experience for me again, just removing the shame and and dealing with the uncomfortableness of sex and talking yeah. about oh it that's, and, that's great yeah because yeah, I, I, yeah.
1: I i my yeah i I hid the name of the podcast from my my parent both of my parents for two years. And then one day my brother called me and they were, he could just goes, mom knows. And I almost pooped my pants. Cause I was yeah. so like, Ugh. but then when we talked about it, eventually I was like, Oh wait, this is, we could talk about this that I'm not, you know, yeah. On the floor. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm so glad.
2: Thank you. I'm sorry. I just want to let you like, it's thank you. I, I'm sorry. I brought it up later. No, but, this is yeah.
0: really good that you brought this up. What was it that, that it, can we dive a little deeper I, I, into
2: it? Well, no, because I, we did come to the conclusion that we not we we don't, he don't the, the person does not want me to talk about it. Okay, but it did yeah. take our relationship to a very new level personally between okay. us. Um, so I'm sorry. And are you in a relationship I'm sure now? I am. Um, I am not. I just got out of one. Well, just like six months ago.
0: Um, okay. Yeah. How you doing? You know, it. Look, I was like, "How you doing?" What? And then I just move on. But how are you doing? Six months is fairly new. Fresh. Thank you. Thank you. Um,
2: you know, he he, he is a he is a comedian in the New York comedy scene, but he was also my friend for seven years before that because he would come to India a lot and I would come here and we kept meeting over the years and he really, he became my my best friend in New York. And uh, one of the reasons I came here was because I, I was I was like at least he's here. Um. So so we are trying to like do this as compassionately as possible because we do really respect and love the friendship that we shared. And while I am feeling hurt, I'm very happy and very proud of the way I handled this because I, rejection triggers a lot of anger in me. Um,
1: anger. Oof. Yeah. yeah.
2: And yeah. I think the therapy, I think the five years of therapy has worked guys. I think it's really, it's done So like I just reacted very differently and I, I didn't know if the therapy was working and it was, and it did. And so, the focus is like, how do we make sure we don't, you know, burn this, burn this to the ground where we climb and salvage it for a friendship? And I think we're both on that same page. Touchwood,
0: touchwood. Bravo. Yeah. God, I'm learning from you right now. No. I'm still <laughs> angry about my ex. As you said, <laughs> yeah. that anger is that word. I mean, I'm not like angry, angry. Well, maybe. <laughs> no, but it's like it's kind of one of those things when you don't get closure with someone that you. Yeah. Know, and then they move to a different state, and then you can't uh... really—you didn't have that conversation, and you like—and we were good friends, and he, you know, I, like I found him amusing, and I realized we shouldn't be dating, mm-hmm. but I never got to that point where I could, you know. Ugh. So that's that's that is. I am really proud of you because I I had a dating. Coach, I guess, app coach on the podcast recently. This is the one that's about to come out tomorrow. And she was talking about how you have to really be nice to yourself. You have to forgive yourself a lot. And I was like, how do I forgive myself? What do I say? I'm sorry, Marina. Like, how do you do that? And then once you've done that and you've been nice to yourself, then you can like move on and not carry that into the next relationship. Now, while all those things I hear myself saying that, I still don't really know how to do that. Christina, it, it, do you?
1: It, well, it's a trial and error. But um, I think it's allowing yourself to feel whatever the feelings are. And then the piece of the puzzle that always helps. And first of all, congrats, Candice, because I love when you see therapy stick, you only know if it's stuck in the yes. moments where – the reaction happens. So it's like if you quit smoking, you know you really quit if something really awful happens and you don't pick up the pack. Correct. So when you know, whenever the reaction comes, you don't know how you're gonna react. So yeah, so for me it's all dealing with the feelings and letting them come in and then going, oh what what was I missing or what was I um what did I need to hear that I didn't get and kind of kind of giving closure to yourself in a way. Cause man, when you don't have closure, that takes up a lot of real estate. Oh, and you it's so seductive to obsess over that and all the different things you could have done so with me it's just feeling the feelings because i have anger in me a lot of a fiery little temper that can doesn't get activated often by much but when it does ooh, it's rough <laughs> and it's hard to hide in your
0: 50s because you get half fl- i get high flashes now
1: <laughs> how
0: often I get them. Well, I I take this herbal tea that is supposed to help me, but I don't know lately it hasn't been. But I get I get it like 3 5 times a day. Oh, geez. oh but definitely if I have sugar, it triggers it. If I have a very heated conversation, it triggers it. And sometimes and that's how I know. That's why I know women are just incredible cuz we we can never check out. We are always aware. Because those things trigger you, like, if there's some, if I'm talking to someone and they don't, like, let's say I'm talking about my ex and I I feel like I'm having to explain too much, I start getting a hot flash. That's when I know. Mm. I'm like, oh, you still upset about this.
1: Mm, Yeah, it's directly linked to your feelings. Your body, your body does not lie to you. Can you get out of a hot flash? Can you will yourself out of it in terms of, like, um, mentally I've tried.
0: (laughs) But once the hot flash is on, you can kind of calm yourself. Like I sort of calm myself down and go, oh, it's happening. Calm down. And Mm -hmm. also like ice cubes or water or like pulse points, like on Mm. your, you know, taking um, a cold water and like when I'm on stage, it'll happen sometimes. Shit. Yeah. Wow. The first time it happened, I didn't know what to do. and. Everything funny just left my body and I didn't cool. know how to recover. And I just said, well, I did. It happened to me one time at the stand and they're so nice. They let me do whatever there. So I was like, I'll be right back to the audience. <laughs> Cause I kept asking, I kept asking the waitress for like water, ice cold. And She thought I was joking. I don't know why she thought I was oh. joking. I don't know.
1: <laughs> you mean booze, right?
0: Yeah. She just thought I was not for real. I was like, no, I'm not TV. I really need some water. So she yeah. didn't do it. And then I just said I told the audience says, hey, hold on. I'll be right back. And they were like. And I went, got some ice and then came back. I was like, I had a hot flash. That's my commercial break. So, yeah, <laughs> that's great. That's great. And they laughed and we went back. It's like it's so funny. Like people think like when you're on stage, it's like, oh, you can't do these things. You can do whatever you want. It's
1: true. It's what real, it's handle. real.
0: It's live. Um, yeah. But, yeah, that's the thing is, like, I will immediately get a hot flash and it'll tell me exactly how I'm feeling in a moment. Like, anger, sugar doesn't help anger at all. So, huh. no donuts. It feels, Hot flashes feel like a superpower. There's a lot of women with hot flashes that are like, no, it doesn't.
1: <laughs> They're like, superpower. They're like, get rid of this shit. Could get, you um, have... Could you have a hot flash when you're calm and still like, could that, could it happen? If you at have any sugar. Moment? Wow. Okay. That's good to know. Okay. So I use
0: hot flash spritzers. This is one.
1: Can um, you get it from a positive, a
0: positive emotion? I've never had one from a positive emotion. No. I've usually, I usually have had one from just like, yeah. Any moment where I'm like, Oh, like when i have a post when i have to post on instagram i I'm, <laughs> I'm like and they change i change the hot, format uh, yes i get hot flashes right away so this is so so you ladies are in your yeah. can i say what what years yeah. were you, you're in your i'm turning I'm 40 this year you're in your 30s um yeah i'm 35 35 and and i'm turning 40 this year Okay. So, so yes. So I am showing you girls. Yes, it will happen. It can happen at any age, which is what I say on stage. So they don't know my exact age, but it it, it can happen really. It's a perimenopause starts can start at 46, 47, you know, um, and then in your fifties, it could just, it just comes right in. And I didn't really, no one ever talked about it to me. No one ever talked to me about how flashes speaking of uncomfortable conversations, this is the most untalked about thing ever is women in menopause. And I, I think it's because of the vagina dryness part. Do you ever talk about that on your show?
1: We we don't actually. Uh, Cause we've you're had young. Some guests. We've had guests like in their sixties, seventies uh, before um, we have probably touched on it briefly, but not, not, not as in depth as the topic deserves. Uh, my question is like how many years does that last, go on for?
0: It's different for every woman. Some women it can last for t- 10 years t- long, for it never goes away. And for some women it goes away after like 3 or 4 years, they, they you know, but it's different for everyone. It's your body is losing a a hormone basically. You're becoming a man. It's yeah, that, nice. I've always wanted finally. to do that. <laughs> So it's like estrogen starts to leave and you need estrogen really to produce like um, to decrease your body fat too. So that's another thing you ladies probably don't. That's something no one told me. Like I, had, I, I got this body fat in the past like three months that I was like, what is this? Yeah. It was like it was like there and it was like new and it was different type of stomach fat that I've ever seen. I was like, I don't understand. Um, and then I was talking to Sarah Silverman actually about, it. and she was like, She goes, Yeah, it's the the estrogen that is is you need estrogen to decrease your body fat and we lose it oh, when we get into our effects. So, so that's weird. weird. Because I just
2: froze my eggs and I I had, and I had like so many estrogen injections (laughs) to um, increase the, and I put on a lot of weight from, I was told the estrogen would
0: make me put on weight. Well, it's probably a combination of the estrogen with the progesterone. Yes. No, but but also I noticed that like the weight was like my hips got
2: bigger. Like it's like, let's make a baby. (laughs) Yeah. To make a baby. That's what happens. Yeah.
0: I was actually going to ask you about that because I think Nikki Glaser just said she's not freezing her eggs. I saw like, you know, you get like it was a full conversation. But the headline that they plucked out for for clickbait was that she's not freezing her eggs. So I don't know what her real story is. But what was your decision? Why did you make that? <laughs> I think it's, I, I talk about it all the time on the podcast. No,
2: I I don't want to diminish it to this, but this was one of the reasons. But I'll tell you, like I'm glad I did it, regardless of what the catalyst was. I'm so glad I did it because I really was at the at the tipping point. Like oh, like one more year, and it would just it just wouldn't have been possible for me. Um, but I did because of the breakup. Because he did say he didn't want children, and that he said no. He said that it was because I didn't want children. And I might've said that in jest or like, oh, children suck. I, and I maybe have said it, maybe I said it too many times, but I was like, that wasn't true. It's not like that was a hard no. And, um, I kind of did freeze my eggs to be like, you were wrong, but, yeah. and I but I did huh. speak to my therapist. Yeah. Yeah. I did speak to my therapist and my doctor and my parents. And I told them, I don't know if I should do this if they, my intentions aren't pure. Like this is, a, it's, it's, you know, yeah, the biggest thing. I love thing. a
1: petty egg freeze. That's great. <laughs> that's fucking great. Hell yeah. But also, no, when no, he no, said no. that to you, were you like, that's not, because usually you would know if somebody has a hard stance on no kids. Because exactly. I know people who have hard stances and they make it very clear. Like there's exactly. no way of to misinterpret
2: I was like, that wasn't, anyway, but I also knew that wasn't the reason. It was just, he was trying mm-hmm. to figure out. He also didn't know what the reason was. Um, but I, I, yeah, I was a petty, but, but like everyone in my life was like, regardless, you should do this. Um, and, and so even though my intentions, I didn't love my intentions I did it with, I'm so happy I did it now. Like, um, it was not, it wasn't, yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, I'm so glad I, again, I wouldn't, and if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have thought about this until two years later. And
0: then it would have been Too late. I'm proud of you. Was so harsh. I'm proud of you. Thanks, Dad. (laughs) Thank you. I just just heard myself. Yeah. Thanks, Dad. Thanks, Dad. (laughs) Dad. (laughs) The listeners probably don't know where that came from, but I was telling them before the podcast started that I take care of everyone in my building, and a young lady was like, "You're like my dad." (laughs)
2: So yeah, it's all all the menopause energy that makes you a dad. (laughs) yes, Yes.
0: Yes. Full circle. But mm-hmm. I, I, I do feel like, I'm so glad you said that because I've told comics, younger comics to do this because you don't realize how much time you have, you don't have until it's gone. And I'm one yeah. of those. And sometimes you don't know about health predict, like I had breast cancer. So breast cancer cut away the time that I, I would have had, that I thought I had. And I, cause I was 46 going into 47 you know, and, and, you know, in my family and I speak to a lot of young other black comedians, like we don't have this conversation typically in our family about having children at a certain age because it's more about career, you know, getting to that point where, you, you know, you, you get told not to have kids for so long and not to be sexual for so long that at the point you're like well w- when do you <laughs> when do you have sex to have the kids you know so i waited and i was a good kid and i was a good virgin you know and then uh sexual and then not finding the right mate and then focusing on my career and therapy where the therapist was asking so what do you and i still couldn't really answer that question myself i was ne- i I, say, I would say to this day, I regret not freezing my eggs. And that's why I tell everyone who's listening, if you have that opportunity to do it, it takes away the pressure. It takes away that time limit that they give women. And also, um, but the cost, that's what I was going to ask you. So can be very expensive, but there are ways around it.
2: So that's the thing. Like, first of all, I just want to let you know that I still don't know if I want children. It's not like I did it because I but I love that I have the option. That's like if nothing else, just giving yourself the option. And the truth is, I did do it a bit later. I only have one ovary. I've had two ovarian surgeries. So I didn't get a lot of eggs, to be honest. But um, so the early, and the earlier you do do it, you get so many more eggs. <laughs> like it really is unfortunately right. an age game. It's a full age game. So really if you like if you're thirty-five or younger, really consider doing this. Um and yes, it is expensive in America. I don't know about insurance, but I know in America in India it costs me
0: two K in total. Yeah, they told me to go to India when I was yeah. going through breast cancer surgery. Oh. They were like, Go to India, it's cheaper.
1: And I have <gasps> an amazing
0: doctor there. So if anyone Reach out to me if you want information about that, please.
1: How long would like if you were to go to India to freeze your eggs? Because that's so much cheaper. Also, in America, they want you to have the goddamn baby so much, but then oh. if you're older, they're like, mm, now nah, we're going to charge you fifty k to maybe <laughs> right? have the option. And it's like with the abortion <laughs> access restricted. It's like I thought you wanted me to have babies. What? But um, right, because so, that's it's a long period of time to get the eggs. Right, it's like a couple weeks or months.
2: Yeah, like three weeks. I know you have to do like you have to take medication for like a month before just to prep yourself, and then the injection starts. From the injections to the removal, it was a three week process, or a little little under three weeks.
1: Interesting. Okay.
0: Yeah. Hmm. So, yeah, I mean, India's an option. If you. After they remove it, do, does your weight go back, or does it fluctuate?
2: You know, it honestly it affects every every woman very differently. Um, I was working out. I started working out in my life only two years ago, really, and so um, and I continued working out throughout this, and so I my metabolism was different. Uh, I mean, because I feel like my body would have otherwise done something different with the the high level of estrogen. But uh, yeah, the, the weight went back after. For me, it it went off after three weeks.
0: Can you work out during this process? Because I think Zainab told me she, Zainab did this because I told her to. And I remember she had to just be still.
2: Yeah. I mean, obviously like work out as an, I just, uh, also for like my doc, I also told him it makes me happy. And so he told me what I could do. My doctor really guided me. um, And I just wanted to, because I was worried about, uh, A, I quit smoking, cold turkey, which I, and I haven't started since. And I was really worried about the injections. And I was like, I'm worried about what this is going to do to me emotionally. And, you know, yeah. and mentally, I was very worried. I was like, this is a double whammy here. The estrogen and the no smoking something. I was very worried.
1: Oh, you and did I, the, them at the same time. Yes. Ooh, brave. Yes. yes.
2: Did you cry a lot? No. And that's the thing. I found I, just, I went into some sort of Zen. I just went to Ooh. a Zen place for like three weeks. It's never... I just want to let you guys know, my... I've never loved my body more than after this process because the way it came through for me, even just, I only got four eggs, but I have one ovary and I'm 39 and my ovaries and that ovary also had two surgeries. And I was mind blown by how my body came through for me. And I was like, I'm so sorry. I spent my whole life hating you. Like you just, Mm -hmm. oh, you like, you, 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 You pulled out all the stops. She pulled out all the stops this one.
1: Man. Bodies are incredible. Bodies are magnificent. That's why when people like body shame themselves, I'm like, well, your body is your body can do the most impressive shit. Miraculous things. Yeah.
0: And you know, again on that last episode that just came out, there the woman said that love is inside of us. And so when we're meeting I was trying to understand it. But when we're meeting someone, that love is meeting someone else. Like we have to understand it's inside of us. And I was explaining to her, the young lady who's also on, Jenny Saldana, we both are breast cancer survivors. So what you just said is so important because, you know, when your body betrays you, you have sort of a mindset, you, you sort of, that love that's inside of you gets a little more challenged. What you've just gone through sounds like you're rediscovering loving within your body like you' you're like thanking your body your your awareness of it so it's like you're you're ready for love now I mean I think it's just it's an amazing thing when you think about that about yourself like because we're always getting into relationships and fixing the relationships
1: we've got to fix this first. Oh yeah do you do you know um, Michael Singer he wrote this book called The Untethered Soul No. Oh, he has the most incredible example that once I read it, I never forgot it. And it has to do with like every th- all those feelings that you experience with another person. they're they come from you. That person can kind of open it and be like the magic combination. But he gives us one example where, say you get dumped and you're just so depressed. All your curtains are drawn. You spend days in your home. There's pizza boxes everywhere. You haven't shut. You're just moping and weeping and sad. And then the person that dumps you calls you. And they say, I've made a terrible mistake. I'm so sorry. Can you take me back? Can I come over? All of a sudden, that energy that wells up inside you, you're showering, you're cleaning up, you're, you got a pep in your step. That didn't come from that person. That was already there. But you put a fire blanket over it because of the circumstances of your, your relationship ending and your brain was piling onto you and bullying you and you believed it. So I'm like, oh man, that's a really powerful example.
0: Yes, that is a great example. Oh my god, I'm sure Like when you so get a many, role,
1: when you get yeah. a role, a part that you've auditioned for, that that to me is like one of the strongest feelings I've ever had or you get the spot on TV and you're like something you've worked so hard for and it embodies everything your work ethic, you're oh, I'm on the right track. I'm on But that feeling is crazy and I'm like, "Oh wow, I guess that is accessible kind of 24/7." Right.
0: right. I have it. It's here. <laughs> That makes so much sense. What was I like telling someone when I had sold a show I s- to FX, right? The way I was walking was different. Yeah. Yep. You know, it's just totally the way I walked into the room. Now, I, I could be obnoxious, so I gotta I got to watch it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: How so? What does Marina obnoxious look like?
0: Like, you know, like, hey, you know, I sold a show. I don't need to talk to you. I'm like, yeah. I'm always thinking like God's like, you're not ready. You're not ready. Your attitude is too much. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, that is such a good example. And you know what, Canise, thank you for sharing that with us. I really appreciate, I see your vulnerability and I see I can see the emotion in you when you're telling that. So thank you for being like so honest and open for sharing that with us. Oh and no, I really appreciate it. Always really happy to
2: share my experiences. Um, sorry. How about- we learn? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and, and also we I like I think we also get in the habit of being vulnerable and sharing. So it doesn't take a lot out of us. I think as comedians, like we're already on stage, just being like that. Um, yeah,
0: but I, you know, I always feel like. Know? And sort of the reason I started this podcast was because I'm always like, you know, on other podcasts, I'll be trying I'll be funny and
1: blah, 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 blah.
0: But, you know, but me, you know, I tiptoe around both, you know, vulnerability, funny. My acting professed uh, teacher was at the show in North Carolina. I haven't seen her in 30 years. And she said to me that I used to do that when I was like in my 20s, which I didn't know. She said, you did it when you were first starting. You never went to the comedy first. You knew to go to what the specifics of the story was. And then it was funny. You, you grab and, and that's what this is, you know, about, you know what I mean? Like, cause I, I would like, and you l- ladies, the guys we fucked, it does it so well. You girls are so good at it. I'm so impressed when I was there. I was like, oh my God, you're such professionals. Um, I I heard the ALC loves your podcast. Yeah,
1: that was crazy to learn. Well, well, we, we, um, Tom uh, Delgado uh, worked with her at, um, there's this cafe, there's really awesome diner in Union Square where everybody was like a model who worked there. Um, They worked there together and, uh, yeah, she, she liked the podcast and she was about to run. And Tom like reached out to us like, oh, you want to have this, this woman is I think going to be really high up in politics. And it, for whatever reason, it just didn't work out with scheduling or something, you know, shit slips through the cracks. I'm like, oh no. But that was really, that was cool. And then we were at a party, the first red carpet Corinne and I ever did. We met Cory Booker and Cory Booker goes, guys, we fucked. And I'm like, Holy shit. This is an another this is a level that I don't uh, this is going to take months to settle. <laughs> that was that was one of the craziest moments. That's huge. Yeah. <laughs> I could have I almost fell over. I was like I cannot believe you just said that that is the biggest honor ever. He's going
0: to be in the audience this Sunday when I open for Sarah uh, in oh, Mont, nice. Montclair. I say it like it's French. Montclair.
1: Montclair. <laughs> sure.
0: but bon I'm, I'm like it's like I haven't been nervous on any of the shows, but this one maybe because he's in the audience. I was like, oh my god, Cory Booker?
1: I feel like he'll That's be a good the- audience member. He like he's very laugh very smiley, very like, you know, supportive.
0: Yeah, yeah. He is very supportive. I just did
1: a Sarah Silver.
0: I've been around her too much.
1: <laughs> I, did, I just did a Sarah
0: Silver <laughs> He is <laughs> so well um yes so you're so so with corinne this is what i'm i've always been wondering like you know you do a podcast it's like almost rooming with someone like how do you guys like maintain this friendship yeah is it hard
1: it's not hard but it's a it's work um it's the longest relationship i've ever had um and we really respect each other and um Corinne has always been very clear with boundaries and very like, if she's not comfortable doing something, she doesn't want to do something. She's very clear about that. And I used to, I, I, for a lot of years that we worked together, just took everything personally, like just it's life is so much more enjoyable when you just stop taking it personally. Like it's, it's, that was a huge, a huge thing in our relationship, but like when we're on stage together or we're recording, it, honestly, it feels, it's like better than sex. When you have a partner uh, that you are creative with together and you guys are on a roll and she knows exactly what I'm about to say, I, we could set up each other's, I can sense that she's got a joke coming and we'll do like a runner. It. I've never had a twin language with somebody that, like that before, to the point where, like, we'll when we tour together, we'll both come down and meet in the hotel lobby. We'll be wearing the exact same thing. We're opposite people, like, we're very different in the way we approach life and think about life, but we have this twin language that is one of the most enjoyable creative um, experiences I've ever had. Uh, whether we're on the mic in the uh, podcast studio or on stage together, I just know talk about that trust fall. And we, when we use stand up, you know, obviously you're just relying on yourself, but when we perform together, I'm like, I, there's not one nerve in my body. Like I'm not nervous at all because I know that that symbiosis that we have is so it's really magical. And I don't even know why or what is at play there, but it's like when you meet somebody, you feel like you've known them forever. That that's her, her and I. Yeah. That
0: chemistry is, is, um, a lot of people don't understand that with the podcast, when you partner up with someone That you're diving into a new relationship and you have, you both have that chemistry that I, when I watch it, like I always see your clips on Instagram and I'm like, these girls are like mad, like you said, magical the way they listen to each other.
1: Yeah. and, And I don't even know. It's just something that happens automatically. It's wild. There's no intention to do that. It's just, it's just the electricity between us. It's really cool. And it's enjoyable to like bask in on a stage.
0: Yeah, and Corinne is like you can. I can tell she has boundaries. Like she's very clear from the moment I I met her. I was like this one. She used to talk to my one of my exes all the time too. She used to. I think she coached him.
1: Oh really? <laughs> when I was
0: when I was with him, I th- he was always telling me that she would go. And you thought that was the smart thing to say to her? Like so? I I I want to thank her so much for like I mean, See? I was dating a guy who was way too young for me, but still.
1: Ah, fuck it. But she, but she, she, the way she calls specifically men out is so enjoyable to watch. And um, so when she first started doing it, like, it's not anything new to her, but like, I would always just get so shy. I'm like, is that okay? Are they going to mom? She's like, I don't fucking care. I'm like, wait, you don't care? What do you mean? Like, I just had such a death grip on what people thought of me that has since deceased. But it's because you need a living, breathing example of self-esteem and confidence to know, oh, okay, it is possible. It's not an act. And you just kind of take it till you make it. And then eventually you feel it. It's nice.
2: You know, you guys are sorry. Just listening to her describe this connection she has with, you know, Corinne, like that, that, like, I I was just thinking, you know, we've just been taught to find that with another, with a man, like, or a a romantic partner. That's all we've been taught. And that's all we're constantly searching for. Why, like, why isn't this celebrated? Why isn't this one of the goals in life to find, you know, an intimate friendship like this? You know, why yeah. isn't that the milestone that we should all be attaining for, you know? Um, oh
1: yeah. And we, we remind everybody who listens every damn day that we record. We're just like, this is not the, one of the, one of the best compliments and we get it a lot. And I'm, every time I'm like, we're doing something good is a, a young woman will come up to us after a show or DM us or email us saying like, I finally broke up with my abusive, toxic, emotionally abusive, physically abusive ex because of you guys. I'm like, oh, it's the best. Yeah. That is so exciting to hear that you, yeah. you, you had the love for, you developed the love for yourself to get out of a situation that was just, you know, abusive in whichever way.
0: Gosh, a lot of oh, older yeah. women like my age should be listening to you guys much more because we could learn so much from your generation. You're so, you're so fierce. I was mm. telling Sarah, I was showing her a picture of my niece and the way she took this picture and the way she was like challenging me, she's like, yeah, why haven't I seen you in a long time? Like, what are you, was I born? And then you just like left? And I was like, <laughs> 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 because I haven't, you know, you like, I, I remember being a kid and seeing adults who were like, I saw you when you're a baby. And I just be like, quiet about it. She was yeah. like, yeah, where, where you been? Like,
1: yeah, what's up I miss with that? you. Yeah. Right. That's great. And
0: they just own it. You, oh. you're just, you, it's just, it. it's so great. It's, it, is. it really it is. It is. Now I'm going to ask the tough question about when they tried to cancel you guys. Now, I know black women will come for you. Mm-hmm. Was it black women? Wi- black women, we will come for your ass. <laughs> Sorry, do you They're mind telling to come. me? They're what? coming for Chris Rock right now. I knew it. I said for a while, I said, like, you know, when his special came out and he was talking about his wife, I said, oh, black women going to get a chance. they going to drag his ass when <laughs> they get it. <laughs> And the two reviews were like black women and they got them. And I was like, whoo, ooh, 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 So was it was it black women or was it just in general? Like what happened?
1: Yeah. Black, uh, a, a black woman isolated a clip uh, from an episode in like 2013 or 2014 um, where Corinne, I think she was talking to Mike Brown, the comedian Mike Brown, um, either that he had been on the podcast and she was talking about uh, a type of black man that she likes to date. And it was one of those things where, like, now the idea of saying that is like, oh, my God, you, you don't. But when you don't know something is disrespectful, is racist. But then if you think about it, you're like, yeah, that's why didn't I fucking see that? Um, but, yeah, so that's that's what happened. The clip got isolated. So it was just what she said with no context. It sounded so fucking obnoxious and racist and, and gross. And so it was getting circulated around the Internet. And I, I still had so much to work on myself during when that happened, I get very defensive. And that is the last fucking thing that should happen when you're in that situation. So it was, it was, uh, one of the strongest learning experiences I've ever had. Um, but but the, the thing that it, it really sends you into this like spiral, but you question yourself in areas that you should question yourself. You're like, am I racist? Do I say things that are insensitive? And I'm, and I'm not just thinking about other people and how my words affect them. And, uh, but then what happens is like on social media, you get like death threats and rape threats. I had somebody, uh, tweet me a picture of the front door of my apartment building. And I was like, Whoa, that is very uncomfortable. And I like, Oh, you go into like a depression coma. Cause then it, you feel I, I was, like I said, I was very defensive. So I was like, nothing I'm saying is right. And I got victim me and you have to fucking deal with that. And you have to go, no, you're not, you, you don't, how can I handle myself with grace and respect? in this scenario. And it's one of those where you feel like you're just getting daggers thrown at you. Um, and you have to really take a look at yourself. So it was a really interesting, um, learning experience, and, but also too, like if something that comes out of my mouth is disrespectful, I want to know, you know? So,
0: Yeah. And comedy lends itself to that. And we're all guilty. We all have moments like that. I mean, like I had that too. As a black woman, it happens. I do that joke on stage about messing up on my pronouns. I like, I never, it was the first time that I understood what it was like to maybe be white and mess up Uh, (laughs) because I was really getting it. You know, like I I Uh, went out to Brooklyn to do the podcast and I felt like I was doing something good. And then, I couldn't say the pronoun right. And this young lady in the audience, like, I said, it's new to me. She goes, it's new to you. Yeah. Get it right. And I was like, I got angry. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, and I look back at that and I go, what is that? Yeah. wow, This is my, maybe how they feel sometimes mm. when they get it wrong all the time. But I was like, you know, I, I just was curious as how how you handle that. I think that's a grown-up thing I, to like sort of like interest, to look back at it and go, ooh, this is where I was. It's a hard thing to do, isn't it?
1: I it, mean, you're yeah, shooting it, off, I I think you're shooting well off daggers. Moment. Yeah, well, I felt like uh, a giant pit bull in a cage that was too small for it getting poked by a hot iron, but multiple hot irons. Like that's how, but that, like I said, like I, I, I was also forced to face, Just a lot of my own issues of being defensive playing the victim role all that shit you really have to and you just went go into a depression because you're like i don't want to make anybody feel disrespected that's the last thing and but when your words get uh get kind of isolated and you know it's a magnifying glass gets held to it you're like okay i will never fucking say that again but also also though what comes with it is the education of like oh there's a bunch of shit that i just did not fucking see that I feel like an asshole for not even looking into or understanding cuz it's like I talk about childhood trauma a lot when I discovered the word childhood trauma maybe 6 years ago it made a lot of sense in my life I grew up in a very volatile household and then you learn like yeah but then if you're a person of color in the world whatever trauma you have as a kid which likely everybody does and then you put trauma from being a, a race that's not white oof Ooh, that's a lot of layers of hell that one can go through and experience.
0: Yes.
2: I mean, I just think it's, it's hard. Again, like, like you said, you are have daggers thrown at you. So you're trying to protect yourself and reflect. It's just like a lot going on in which everyone goes through when they get attacked for something that they said. Like, um, it's, it's, it's a very intense experience, I'm sure, for everybody. Um, yeah. cause you, you, because you're, you know, your instinct is to protect yourself. Getting pictures of your front right. door <laughs> sent to you. Yeah, Yo, like, that
1: was crazy. I, I, yeah, like, I was like, is there a camera in my house? What is that? Like, that was, that was wild. That was, but it's, and I know that the other thing too, is though, like people right. that were online that were really angry, that anger is real. That co- that's coming from yeah. a very real place. And so you don't want to try to water down yeah. that anger at all. Um, so yeah, it was, a probably one of the most significant learning experiences I've ever gone through really.
0: And it's, it's, I think everyone needs to go through an experience like that in order to grow and learn. And, you know, does it change the way you talk about like, Oh on yeah. The po- oh yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And also too, it's like, I mean, I kind of understood this beforehand, but I really—it's it, very obvious to me now. When a bunch of white people are sitting around, the topic of race shouldn't be brought up. Like, you don't—you have to have everybody has to have the seat at the table in order for that discussion to be productive. And I think, like, then I it may it opened my eyes to how many times you see like a group of white people talking about the black experience, being Indian, being Asian, like, and you're like, this what you can't. Mm-mm. This is.
0: Yeah, they'll uh, talk about it. Im- uh. Gnome. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <Comedy> <laughs> I'm always trying to i t- I'm trying to tell Gnome. Sometimes I'm like, Gnome, you can't have these conversations with just you and Natterman. Um <laughs> yeah. it's hilarious. And speaking of, Joe Rogan has opened his anti-cancel culture club in Austin. Smooth segue. After- Is that what
1: it's called?
0: <laughs> <laughs> what well,
1: um no, it's, it's called the mothership, right? The yeah, comedy
0: yeah. mothership. Opened its doors in Austin, Texas after two and a half years of development. The comedy club is space themed and has different alien related objects on the wall. On the opening night, Rogan started on stage exclaiming, this is as high as I've ever been on stage. I need to connect with this moment. You can't fire me from my own club, bitch. You know what I was thinking? I was like, that's the problem, though, you're going to have. Anyway, Um. <laughs> sometimes you need a little bit of that. For the opening night, the club had a lineup of Joe Rogan and friends, including David Lucas. I don't know. Do I know? I don't know who David Lucas Uh, is. Uh, Ron White, Tim Dillon, Roseanne Barr and Tony Hinchcliffe. Within seconds of the first comic taking the stage, a gay slur was thrown out. By the way, Tim Dillon is gay. Followed by jokes about trans people. The audience hooted for the for the anti-cancel culture crowd, this is their new safe space. So, what are your thoughts? I'll go to you, Kanise. like you know,
2: I so I just like I just started thinking about this even when Christina was talking about you know in India. Like we can't make jokes about religion. Like you will literally get thrown to jail. Oh, because real it's so, jail! Because people get offended by any jokes. Yeah, you'll get through, like hundred. Like you just you'll get thrown to jail. One hundred percent. And I'm just wondering, like, what. Are we, like, if I make a joke about, a, like, what are we allowed to joke about? Because something's going to always offend somebody. And I understand punching down and punching up. I understand all of that as well. But something's always going to offend somebody. Right? And so mm-hmm. do we choose who we're going to offend and then just stick by our
0: guns? Some do. Yeah. I mean, like. With the lack of growth, I think. I think that's okay. what. Okay. Okay. Christina. you know dim has learned so well is that why are you sticking to your like what is it you're not acknowledging within yourself i think like Mm -hmm. even for me like i it it takes maturity and someone who has real intelligence to understand what you're going through in that moment of defensiveness Mm -hmm. not everyone can do that and definitely not all comics
1: Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm
0: You know, because we're so protected. It's hard. To admit you're wrong as a comic, I think, a lot like I've told students this when I've done stand up in front of audiences that are younger. This next joke may be offensive. I say all this stuff because I I think I told them, I said, you know, I get it. You know, comics don't want to perform for you because you're going to cancel us. I go, I say just write a good joke. Just do the job okay, of writing a yeah. good joke. And then I said that. I go And I say all this to say this next joke you may not like. Yeah. yeah. And then they laugh, right? Yeah. But I'm being honest in the moment. And, it, you know, here's the thing. I think the audience really does not understand comedy, has never understood comedy. And so they walk away with these uh, these understandings of us trying jokes and they just think we're bad people. And then we get defensive and it's just this cycle. But I think in the moment for me on stage, I've chosen to address it because that's where we are right now. I I find like any comic that just launches into offensive material or material that may trigger people without understanding what the culture is doing right now. Right. You're also not stepping into now. Yeah. And it's not. to
1: it's not a weak move to usher the audience into a joke that might make them feel a certain way. But I like, I love when a joke, One of some of my favorite jokes are when it like, and you're usually by male comedians because they're usually like, you know, if you could put it under a category of one of the isms, it's sexist. But like when it's so funny that I'm laughing and I don't want to laugh and I'm like, damn, you got me. I fucking hate you for saying this, but that was really, <sighs> really funny in a very creative angle. You know the word that
0: it's so Jim Norton does that a lot.
1: He does. He does. And I but you know when you, when a comic like kind of launches into subjects that he knows are going to push people's buttons there's this laziness to it when there's no tact. You got to yeah. have tact. Or and just for the sake, sake of saying it. Yeah. But just for the sake right. of being
2: shocking. You yeah. can tell. Um that that's just think about the joke, like this the space that he's created for people to be able to
1: sorry christina yeah
0: thinking about oh go ahead christina yes oh, what do you I, think I, about the
1: club well i mean Are i'm you booked with, already <laughs> no but I, want to be, uh, I would love to perform there um i'm mm-hmm. obsessed with aliens so when he revealed the alien theme i was like oh so cool <laughs> um i'm like really nerdy about aliens and like ghosts and psychs yeah um but uh I, I like Joe Rogan. I like him. I, I like I we've been on Rogan uh, before. That's fucking increased our audience by like a third it's wild um, men come out to see us now, which I'm like, oh nice. Uh, oh. but it's interesting to watch him kind of get um, criticized uh, by like the news organizations and stuff because it's like he's not God and he knows like he's like, why are you guys fucking taking everything I say? But he has so much influence. He has so much influence. And I That's feel like, why, yeah. I, you yeah. know, maybe sometimes i don't I don't know this this is me guessing, but I'm like, oh, do you kind of resent that responsibility a little bit sometimes? I'm sure it can get tiring when everything you say gets picked apart, um, especially when you just talk for multiple hours every single week. but um, yeah, I like the alien theme.
0: <laughs> My only thing about the club, I will say is I do worry that we're we're like sort of segregating ourselves as comics. Um, mm. I wonder how many black comics he'll use. I don't, I, I'm not a huge fan of Joe Rogan because of, I've seen him with black guests, one in particular, Miss Pat. And I didn't like the way he talked, interviewed her uh. because it didn't seem like she was real to him, even though he was mm. saying he loves her and he's helped her out a lot, a tremendous amount. It just felt like, Oh, do, is this how you see us in, as a whole? Like, mm. you know, you could just tell when someone white hasn't been around black people and they uh. just put us in a box. Um, so I do wonder, and then, like, the people that he's had opening his club, I you know, it's like, the way I see it is I'm like, I see a trend and a pattern here that s- sounds like a segregation thing. Now, I don't know if one of those comedians is black. I could be wrong, so don't quote me. Yeah. Or, no, quote me that I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but I do it's like that's what I, that my concern is is I don't yeah. know how far we're going into this like this is white comedy that is right. non-woke and this is woke right. comedy and then Roseanne Barr said this and this sounds like someone who hasn't grown with the understanding that you have Christina is Barr said, after 30 years of fighting ABC to have black writers and black characters on my show and then having the, the same fucking libtards turn around and call me a racist. It really fucking pissed me off. Like she's holding on to this without any introspection whatsoever. She's further deepened her defense. You know, she's gone the opposite yeah. direction. And that's where yeah. I, that's what I worry about with that club in a sense. And I know they're not thinking about it because they don't have to. Yeah. Um, but I, I think about it in a sense because I have noticed like the cancel culture has really elevated a lot of white comedians in a very big way.
1: It has. It has. Interesting. They're doing quite well. Yeah. Oh yeah. And making a lot of money. Yeah. Tim Dillon's doing really well. Um,
0: yeah, a lot of that joking about, oh, cancel culture has benefited white men. <laughs> yeah. Still, like, oh, I, I remember in the beginning of it, white men were white comedian, male comedians were like, you could see them in their circles going, oh, no. Oh, God, what are we going to do? Not another white guy. Oh, God, we're like, we're, we're not wanted. And I'm like,
1: that didn't happen.
0: Didn't happen. They're doing so
1: good. It was a fleeting moment in time. But there was, yeah, Yeah. there there was like a month period where I remember a lot of like white means would say they would have like generals with networks and they're like multiple of them said it to the point where I was I I took a note. I was like, yeah, they just don't want a white guy right now. But that only lasted for like three months, it seems. Yeah. It's
0: interesting that you say now you have more men in your audience, too. That's pretty cool to see. What was the, yeah. the first moment you saw that you were a draw what would,
1: what did that feel oh, like oh that was that was a, a euphoria that probably still hasn't left but the the I remember when we started getting recognized on the street that was crazy that to me like I would go home and cry and be like I've always wanted to make an impact like this uh but <laughs> i Karen and I our first trip to l a to perform we sold out the main room in the comedy store and that that uh speaking of rogan he started talking about that on his podcast and because we the second he mentions anybody they get tweets and stuff from people and so he's like yeah it's really impressive to see people who started podcasting and they were in comedy but no one fucking knew who we were we were nobodies and then you just skyrocket from from that and i it's it's yeah it's really um an honor
0: Yes. So that is so awesome. See, Perfect for Women's Month. You can do it. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) See, it's happening. So when you hear this, like, how does it feel to be in New York as a comedian? Like, do you feel like now, like you were saying, you feel like it's it's like. You never felt at home here and never felt at home as far as comedy goes. How does it feel to be in New York? You know, it's still um, like I, I, you know, the nice thing about Indian
2: comedians is that there's a huge Indian diaspora in in America that follows Indian comedy. So even when I came here, like there was, you know, like it didn't feel completely like jarring. Like in a, when I did my show, like all my all the people who follow me come, came to the show and I did feel like I had my I do have my audience here, yes, so it's too. not like it, it, it wasn't like I came to another country and completely lost everything. Um, that's why I also chose America cause, because because the, there is the connection. India and America do have that connection, um, and so it, it it feels very. I feel very comfortable. I feel very what's the word I, like not alone. I don't feel alienated, and like I still have some of my people here.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I noticed that in your comedy <laughs> <laughs> club when you were on stage. I think in the audience, I could see like. They are leaning in and watching you. Right. No, I, it, that, that that's one of the nice things about
2: um, America is that, yeah, a lot of Indians are here. And and so I don't feel like I've gone to like Sweden and nobody knows, you know, I don't know, wherever, like in another country where nobody understands what I'm doing. Like there are, there isn't. Yeah, I do feel like. And, and, and also the, the Indians who have moved here also like me. We left India, came here. So it's a lot of like we relate a lot. To, to each other, which is
0: really nice. Now I'm going to ask you this question: How do I get an Indian man to fall in love with me? No, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have. Just, you're like yeah. it's, no. You have this look like it's difficult. No, because like, I yeah, I'm I'm a, I had a crush. I I think that's where I lean, hmm? but I don't. I'm not successful oh. with it. And I so yeah. I mean, I, I, and I, I know there's a lot this, of but... like issues, race, colorism, all that, but still. Are they difficult men? What what do I do? They're mama's boys. Mama's boys. Oh.
2: Yeah. So they're very, like, looked after. Uh, they, they, and still, their mothers are still a big part of their lives.
1: Maybe they I need noticed, some more um, dad energy in their life.
0: Enter eh, and, and, eh, and,
1: and oh. Marina.
0: Yeah, exactly. I'll be your daddy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> call me daddy. Do uh, <laughs> so yeah, call me daddy? When you, because I noticed you and Suva, you did this skit about like the sexuality, like a good Indian woman. What is, yeah. is that changing? Is, what is that?
2: That is changing. I also do find like Indians outside of India are somehow more conservative than the Indians in India, weirdly. Because I think, I think what happens is a lot of times they move outside of India and they, they get so worried that they're going to lose their culture and heritage that parents like really drill that in. And they forget to maybe sometimes move with the times. So in mm-hmm. India, you'll see in, in the first tier cities in India, in the biggest cities, people are moving, like we're growing and evolving. And then I come outside of India and I find like, they have like ideas from the nineties still, um, of like what a good Indian person is. You know what I'm saying? And I was like, Oh, it's changing in India though. <laughs> it's just a, right. you guys haven't noticed. Um, yeah. So like, like Subha and I also like, had different experiences in that sense. Um, I'm like, oh, your parents still worry about certain things that, uh, you know, uh, are, are changing. Not not completely, but are evolving in India. Um, and I see, I see that with a lot of American Indians, like Indians who are Americans mm-hmm. in America. Like the second generation.
0: It's <laughs> like they're holding on Indians. to something because they're oh, not home, maybe? Yeah, their parents did. Yeah. And then like, Yeah. Um, and then the kids who grew up in India had a
2: lot more influence in, around, you know, outside of their parents, about India, outside their
0: home. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Cause I'm wondering is, I, I, I put in these articles, but you both are so much more interesting. Um, <laughs> I haven't even looked at them. Um, but it's tough to talk to your partner about sex and here's mm-hmm. how to start. And we've already kind of covered that. I mean, yeah. but like, how do you talk to like uh, look at me i don't even know how like what are some just
1: What, turn, <laughs> what are some ways things? to be
0: comfortable talking about sex i'm so uncomfortable
1: just ask questions oh. ask ask I what, turn, to. what turns you on what do you think is so hot i love like that's like a good opener like what okay. what turns you on i like um you know uh is there no. anything like you've ever fantasized about but always wanted to do like any you have like a bucket list or you know what's how do you, how does sexuality kind of fit in your life? Like, what role does it play? Hmm.
0: Yeah, my ex, the young one, wanted me to talk dirty to him during sex. And I didn't. I was not good at it. I I should have worked on the script, I think, before. Because he said I sounded like a librarian.
1: Oh, <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's not the vibe that you usually. Yeah. I meant to be um, a sexy librarian. Dan Savage is this uh, famous sex columnist. And, uh, and advice. he hosts a sex advice show called Savage Lovecast, that I love. He, his dirty talk rule is really simple. It's say what you're going to do, say what you're doing, say what you did. Oh. That's it. Easy formula, works every time with any sex oh. you're doing. Say what you're going to do, she- say what you're doing, say what you did.
0: Okay. It, it, during sex. Mm-hmm. Okay.
2: Say what you're doing is like, okay. Oh. <laughs> and, and then kissing. Um, kissing your stomach
0: now no, <laughs> yeah i'm trying to, yeah, I'm trying to imagine like <laughs> oh, and now no. i'm going to caress you to, it's hard caress. to like See, i use the word caress
1: correct yeah okay so you gotta um Omnibus. like <laughs> you know like get get dirty with it uh porn sometimes porn can be helpful in terms of like what to say but um you know it's so weird to like talk about an exam. It's like somebody in line at the grocery store wants you to do a bit, you know. So it's it's right. hard to like do yeah. dirty talk when you're not in it because it just feels so fucking stupid. Like it, when you're not aroused, so right, that's the other right. thing too. Make sure you're a aroused. Like when you're turned on by the person, it kind of just flows out. There's no. Mm. There can, of course, be stumbling, but uh, yeah. Yeah, or the article ask, says do you like that. That's a simple <laughs> this- one. This article
0: is written in the New York Times by Catherine Pearson. And she says, another thing, one thing couples can do is exchange flirty text messages. That doesn't mean that you're constantly texting back and forth. Or we love telling couples to make a playlist of songs that get them in the mood. Try to be. (laughs) I remember playing a song one time with this guy and he was like, what the hell is this? (laughs) It was like. What was the song? He was talking, it, I, I, it was from that movie Sideways. I think it was Sideways. I watched, and it was like the guy was talking about the farmer and himself, and it was <laughs> <laughs> yes, and Off just, topic. We just started laughing, so that didn't work out. <laughs> Try to be as detailed as you can about it, and come up with as many answers as you can.
1: That, huh? Yeah, uh, that what? to me complicates it too much the second yeah. it gets uh, the... traffic jammed in your head you're you're done just keep it simple
2: christina how do you ask the guy for what you want
1: yeah uh i say oh my god you know what's so hot when a guy does this it is like i'm a puddle mm. on the floor i can't like it, it if you ever want to just have like complete control over me this is what you do mm, okay okay thank you <laughs>
0: What energy do you like feeling during sex? Is it passionate? Is it intimate? Is it safe and silly? What do you like? Oh, you got to ask them these things.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What if they <laughs> say silly? It's like, do you want uh, me to wear a clown outfit? Then you play the music <sighs> that you played. <laughs> oh, yeah. Then I, uh, I've got this queued up.
1: Ready to go. <laughs>
0: <A> clown outfit. <laughs> now, it's been a while for me. And I've had i said this on the last podcast. I know the listeners are probably like, please stop talking about your vagina so much. (laughs) But it has been so long that my friend, my Irish friend, she has no problems. She's like, oh, Marina, Marina, you should go. You'll have to get. (laughs) She said date a white guy first (laughs) with a medium penis, a small penis. Because you're going to have to work your way back, you know. And I was like. What are you talking about? Like, what? Stop. And <laughs> she's like, and then make sure you have some co- some cream next to your bed because it's going to be, it's been a while for you. And I'm like, I don't, I don't need, I was like, I don't even Aww. think about this stuff,
1: but. Could be helpful. Some lube. Like, okay, so Babeland makes the best lube. It's water-based. It doesn't smell. It's not sticky. It's truly, regardless of how wet or dry a person is, the, like, I I highly recommend that and it also kind of puts it like kind of puts you in the mood more like just kind of putting it on your hand and then you know doing whatever to his dick okay Okay.
0: when you did that i was thinking of like
1: play-doh oh yeah well hopefully it's not like play-doh but you know sometimes sometimes it is
0: slime you remember this oh no you guys are younger than me there was a slime we used to have um uh, oh, yeah, no, I, 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 I am thinking of slime that you could just, oh, you don't want kids playing with that. Okay, so. <laughs> no, um, and also, I don't want that inside me. <laughs>
1: yeah. We always say if it's not fully <laughs> erect, it cannot go in because, boy, have there been so many times where a guy's just trying to fit silly putty through a buttonhole. It's not going to work, buddy. <laughs>
0: Orgasms. I know you must talk about that a lot on your show. Do you have an org? Because this article says that we don't have as many orgasms, which we know. Yeah. I mean, they gave a percentage of how much, how less of an orgasm. I love people who have to get the data's on this. Like, what are they standing next to the bed? (laughs) Seeing the woman just staring up at the ceiling. So while 87% of husbands say they consistently experience orgasms during sexual activity, only 49% of wives could say the same Mm. what would what would be your recommendation christina of all the stories you've heard for women who need who have trouble with orgasms
1: make sure you can make yourself come first because then you know how you want to be touched and then another great tip that i learned along the way i did not make this up but i heard it i'm like oh that's a really good um a good mentality is to have sex but not have orgasm be the goal because it doesn't There's, there is this concept and I've, I've certainly felt this way during sex. And I know a lot of men have felt this way. If you don't have an orgasm, it's okay. It's not, that's not the Mm. only goal during sex. And so to me, sex still feels incredible without one. The second you remove that pressure, you kind of naturally move in a way that your body will get you off on. So it's like, it's all about removing the pressure. And I, I, I would wager to bet that, the orgasm gap is closing, but not because women are coming more, unfortunately, but I think, I think men are kind of coming less. Like the more I talk to men, I learn, like it is mental for them too. And a lot of times I hear a lot of stories of guys having sex and they're like, I'm not going to finish, but it's okay. I still love this. You know? And a lot of times the women are like, what the fuck No, You know, you want the guy to come for, for whatever reason, you think it's hot, or you think you didn't do your job right, or whatever, whatever, whatever your mentality is about it. But I'm like, oh yeah, you know, the second you take that pressure off. Also, mutual masturbation is such an underrated activity. It's so fun, and then you get to see the how the person likes to be touched. That's like yeah. my like when I start. I haven't. It's so funny. I'm coasting a show called Guys We Fucked. I actually, haven't slept with that many people. Like, I, it's because I I really need to like know who you are and trust you and feel safe before. Sex can even be a possibility. Unfortunately, there was one time I had sex with a male sex worker. That was, I do recommend that. But, um, uh, really? yeah. Ooh. yeah, just for like no pressure. I've never had, that was the easiest. It's so bizarre to not even a little bit, be concerned with the guy getting off.
0: Wait a minute. No, hold on. Sex <laughs> <Next> worker. <laughs> like you went to them and paid.
1: Yeah, actually, Noam Dorman bought, bought me, purchased me a, a guy because he we were on his podcast and he said, "I don't know why there's male prostitutes. Like, no woman would want that." I'm like, "Oh, what? That's no, not that's not true. Are you kidding me?" And he's like, "If you, I'll, I'll buy you one then." And I was like, "Well, I'm in a relationship." And he's like, "All right, if you ever break up, let me know." And the like, a week after my breakup of a seven year relationship, I walk into the Olive Tree and I'm like, "All right, no, let's go." Which website can I go on? And he's like, I'm asking
0: him for one too.
1: (laughs) What was the
0: website? Can you say?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, So it's escorting is the legal, is the legal, you know, thing that they say, because they technically do not sleeping with you is not part of the job, but if it happens to happen in your time together, you're paying for their time, not the dick, but um, cowboys for angels. Oh, Cowboys, the number four, they had a reality show on like Showtime about them uh, Look, a while back. Is we, writing
0: it down. Like, this we this interviewed, but him, you go on, on,
1: you go on the website, you just pick a guy and you call and you say, this is what I want to do. This is how many, this is how many hours, um, this is where I want them to meet me. Uh, this is, is this person available? Like you just pick a guy off the rack.
0: Are they expensive? Yeah, yeah
1: it's, it's, expensive. Uh, it's like, it's like 1100, oh, I did, oh. uh, or a thousand maybe. I did three hours because I needed, I needed to get to know him first. Cause I'm like, I can't, I, I need to pave the way for me to feel comfortable. I need a, like one or two drinks and I need to like interview you first. Cause I can't. Yeah. But he was, it had, we did it. And then it's like, Oh wow. You are a professional. You are very good at, wow. Oh. Okay. This is why they pay you the big bucks. You're really good at this. Really, really good. And like, it was the lightest sex I've ever had. Cause there was no emotional connection yes. or um, like attachments in any way. There wasn't a fear of that. And for me, that's, that's the thing that's playing in my head. That's the real that's spinning in my head usually. So uh, like, what is this? What's this going to be? And to not yeah, have to worry yeah. about that is pretty great
0: we're really long no, on soon. Yes. Right I, I'm, I'm gonna this, check this out. I never right after uh, <laughs> this uh recording. I'm gonna be like, are we done? Are we done? Are we done? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's so funny. I slept a lot of men, but I'm like, so afraid to talk about sex. That's the most hilarious. like my list hmm. is so long. It's like I remember. <laughs> I remember Body telling can't. one boyfriend my how many and that was years ago and I remember he got up from the table. We were at a restaurant cuz he he asked how many and he got up from the table, walked outside. I saw I looked outside the window, he was like holding his head. <laughs> it, what?
1: <laughs> wow. That's not he couldn't he couldn't handle. Get it. Wow.
0: I mean, I used to be very casual like for me like sex I never put any emotion in it and I had a goal actually. Like I was <laughs> I would sleep with guys just because, like, I'm like, I never had that before. Yeah. You know, yeah. and this guy's going my way. You know, that type of stuff. And I, <laughs> <laughs> I have crazy, st- I think I may have, I don't know if I told you this story on your podcast about the Amtrak dude no. who's like. <laughs> no. Way. Yeah, he was just going my way and he was like working there on the railroad and he had like a sleeping cart and I was like, oh, okay.
1: <laughs> nice. What fun, oh, yeah. what fun.
0: I've had some fun stories. Yeah, uh, that's so any... fun. It is. Yeah, it it's can really be. It's
1: really fun. It can be so fun. That's why when people like feel ashamed about it, what they do, I'm like, no, you don't get, like it can be so fun. And it's like the closest physically you'll be with a person. And it's fun to experiment with like, ooh, this one I don't feel vulnerable because I don't have feelings. And this guy, I do feel vulnerable because I really yeah. like him. and just kind of noticing how you how you are is interesting.
2: So I learned, I learned I was a demisexual from watching Big Mouth on Netflix.
1: I love they that had,
2: you, I really recommend people watching that show. It teaches you so much about like, it's how the Gen Zs are really learning about sex, which is so wonderful. Um, but I've learned I'm a demisexual from that show. And a demisexual is someone who needs to feel very emotionally connected to enjoy sex. And I was wondering why a lot of times I wasn't enjoying sex. And I was like, oh, it's because I need that I thought I was a prude and then I learned I was just demisexual and I was like, and then I just enjoyed sex so much more because I was like, Oh, I just need an emotional connection. It's nothing bigger than that.
0: Yeah. 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 Yeah, I didn't need it. Check it out. I didn't didn't need the emotional connection for quite some time
1: from my 20s,
0: my 20s to my thirties. Yeah. I was, I, I was scary for a lot of guys. Like what, what, what I was on the list on campus at U of I as you can't, you can't get it. That's how good I was at hiding. Oh, wow. Yeah. They wow. had like, wow. wow. They would put a dick list and a pussy list on the floor of the quad. Classic, night, classic 90s. Whoa. And they would put like who was what like two minute man all this stuff and expose <laughs> like who they were.
1: Holy! And they shit. would have
0: some girls like she's gotta have it, and they would put a list of girls. I wasn't on that list. I was yeah. on I can't get it, oh. padlock, and they had no idea.
1: Undercover. Was,
0: well done. I, I mean. was hitting motherfucker, and so but I was really just like oh bam, and then some. <laughs> guys will be like marina come you don't want to hang out. Cuddle. No. but i used to always tell my friends if you can't if you're if you're if you can't walk away from sex like that then don't do what i'm doing yeah right like, really exactly it.
1: yeah yeah it just feels so when there's a dick in you it just feels like everything's right in the world to be honest
0: oh god it has been so long I since it's been right in the world. <laughs> it's been what? like a wild Wh-
1: why <laughs> why like do you do you kind of say to yourself i need to is it intentional or are you just not you're not finding that you're you want to seek it out
0: it's the menopause too menopause okay. kind of kills the sexual some women are more sexual yeah, and happens, yeah. and some. I'm not like I used to be very, and I, it's just like I don't have to have it. Like she's got to have it. She would yeah. have been Marina Franklin, but <laughs> I did not. <laughs> you know, I was like Nola, darling. But then now it's like I don't. It's. I guess it's, it's time for the vagina to take a rest or something. Oh, it's yeah, it's yeah. taking a breather. Yeah, but I would say like it's been a. It's time to
1: like it. It's time.
0: Do like, you I need feel? To, like,
1: sexy in your day-to-day, you know, that kind of, like, d- did that go away? is that kind of, that went away? Well? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: That went away. Like for, for some time, I like, even when someone hits on me, I giggle a little. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet, <laughs> uh, that's <nice>. like, Really?
1: <laughs> it's wow. like
0: kind of silly to me. Um, but that's just, you know, and I've got to break this mode. I'm in. I, I have to, at some point I got to, because like you said, the, the, the world is all right. We need sex. I think I read something somewhere that says we need, it's mandatory, right?
1: It's in uh, Maslow's. <laughs> hi- <laughs> it's it, like a real, it it's kind of like a real dude. Uh,
0: <laughs>
1: that's that's, part of a, that's a tagline
2: on Cowboys
1: and Angels. <laughs> like yeah. That, that's the tagline. <laughs> it's mandatory. Um, it's good for your health. What's well, a part of Maslow's hierarchy mm. of needs with like up there with like food and connection and it's it's connection yes. it's whether mm. the emotional part of it it's it, that's that can be kind of to the side but it's it's still a connection that's you know people are we're designed to be to connect so i suggest hiring a male sex worker because then you could mm. just say cuz you're paying so you could say like turn me on like you don't and this is this is what i like you know what i mean like and you can kind of finesse it in a way that's like they're at your service
0: that's expensive, hmm. though. Is it per hour?
1: Yeah. But like, like I said, I got so just three get hours because I needed to have some type of... I needed to get... Uh, he was very attractive, but I needed to get to know him to be comfortable, you know? Okay.
0: So I got to put aside... Like, I'm saving money for my retirement. So I put oh. money away for, like, a sex rom. You, you know, if you a-
1: did, like, a GoFundMe, people would donate to it. <gasps> yes, oh, yes! Nice. i love that that's a green idea marina needs dick help help it's me it's been a while campaign yeah. what a yeah, fun campaign a low amount, you know like relatively compared to all the other gold it's like my kid needs eye surgery i'm just trying to get dick that's like 800 bucks that's it.
0: <laughs> my kid needs a, a new kidney Look at me i'm like oh God, needs i can dick. do this i can do it I am on silver. Sing- what are some terms? This is, and then we'll get out. Love this you. is so good. This was such so an excellent good. episode. I was going to talk about Trump being arrested
1: today. Did he get arrested yet, or what's? Is he indicted? I don't know, this doesn't go with our conversation. So fun. That'd be so fun to. Yeah. That'd be so a- fun. If he's a just the word, Did he get arrested? You guys- is he in
0: jail? Uh, no. Well, he's not going to go to jail. I think he's just oh. indicted, which oh. is this is separate from actually being convicted which is so funny it's like whenever stuff no. comes out in the press about politics and legal stuff i'm like everyone's like oh my god he's going to jail it's like no indicted is different from conviction and then we don't really know because we're not lawyers um but yeah it should be an interesting day in new york city because he hasn't has been arrested yet or there's no news i just checked this there's no like
2: would have been okay. a great
0: way. Someone yeah. asked me if I was sad about or uh, the president of, like, is this setting up a weird precedent? I go, he set up a weird precedent. I mean, yeah. like, lock right. his ass up. It's just so funny to me that that's what he had people chanting, and now, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Oh, what a beautiful little karma, karma ah. circle that's happening.
0: Yes, you were so amazing, both of you. Thank you so Thank much you. for joining me today on Friends Like Us. Because of you, I may be able to get laid next week. Yeah, the most productive episode ever. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so glad. Thank you. So, Christina, tell our listeners where can they find you, and then
1: Uh, yeah, they can find me. um, All my social media handles is at Christina Hutch, K R Y S T Y N A. My first name is spelled a little little weird. Um, And then I'm I do a lot. I'm doing a lot of road dates Uh, this month in April. I'm doing Boston, Edmonton, Canada, and uh, Detroit. Very excited, ChristinaHutchinson.com. I also have a Patreon where it's like five bucks a month and I do Zoom group therapy in quotes because I'm not a licensed therapist, but um, I really love it because I'm, I'm really good at giving advice. I can just kind of quick fire it. Yeah. So that's been really enjoyable. You can sign up for that. You reflected what I was going to say in my um, friends like us. With friends like us, you getting dick.
2: Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you, and Kenice? Uh So I, you can follow me on all my social media handles are all at Canise Circa, um, and I am um, putting. I'm currently putting my America tour together, so I'll have those dates ready by the end of this month. I'm taking my solo show around America, so I'm very excited about that. And yeah, just follow me, and uh, I mean, uh, check out my website by the end of this month, and you'll see tour dates on it. And um, with friends like us, you get to. Learn how to give yourself choices. That's my, yes.
0: Yes. More more choices, more choices. More options. More options. With that dick. No. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Marina Franklin here. You guys know what to do. Go to my website, marinafranklin.com. And with friends like us, you learn so much about your sexuality, so that you can have a better sex life. You deserve it, it's in you. You girls were wonderful. Check Check us check us out.